Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptic Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Our reading is from Matthew, chapter 18, and starting at verse 10. Let's get started. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. So we come to look at that passage from Matthew. And uh, again, it's continuing in our, our series on parables. Okay, so we'll uh, just set the stage right here. Uh, I am doing a deep dive on this passage. Not so much this passage as the idea in the passage, why Jesus used parables. You listen to different Christians and you get very different answers. It's all over the map. So what's the real reason? I have talked about this a little bit on red letters, and some of you might recall me talking about that, but I assure you, you haven't heard all of what I have to say. You haven't heard half of what I have to say. So to get that more fully, uh, certainly listen to this show, but I, I actually won't be focusing on that so much, this show. I will be doing a supplemental this week. Don't worry, it's going to be available to everyone. No one will have to pay to hear this supplemental. However, you will need to go to patreon.com slash red letters. That's patreon.com slash red letters. You will see the supplemental there. It will be open to the public. You will be able to click on it and listen to it. If I do it as a video, you'll be able to watch it. If I do it as a video, you'll also be able to uh, copy the video URL and share it in various places, such as Unbelievable. So if any of you hang out there, and uh, you feel uh, like sharing it over there, go ahead. It's fine. You're not breaking any rules. Um, let's let's face it. Most of those people aren't coming to write letters anyway. <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not a members-only perk. But if I can entice a few of you to come over uh, and check out what I'm doing over there, patreon.com slash red letters. I thank you so much for your support that supplemental will be coming out in a few days it will be a deep dive much deeper uh into this than i have done before deeper than i went in the book deeper than uh i have done in public so i'm ready to share some more of that and i'm gonna let this preacher get away with the murder a little bit i there's gonna be things that she says that i disagree with that touches on this subject but that I'm not going to talk about because of time, because there's plenty in this sermon that I am going to talk about. 
uh, first, some apologies. I don't know who this preacher is. I did try to find it. It wasn't on the video. It wasn't on the YouTube page. Uh, I only had so much time. I had to quit. Usually, um, I don't have to spend this much effort trying to figure out who it is who's doing the speaking. Sometimes, though, it's just not uh, apparent. And so I don't know uh, who this preacher is. She does a good job. I think that she makes the best case for this passage, for the way Christians like to read it. Just a little bit of background, this passage is uh, where the disciples ask Jesus why he speaks in uh, such difficult and hard-to-understand stories, and Jesus tells them. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a thing that he says, and she's going to go over that, that makes Christians really uncomfortable. And so the fun is to try to watch how they explain this passage away so that it doesn't say the bad thing. Uh, she has a way of doing that. Like I said, I'm going to mostly let that stand, come by the supplemental, uh, by come by and listen to or watch the supplemental when I have that out. Uh, what I do want you to focus on, though, is the double standard. So there is a lot of double standard here. Christians have this huge double standard that they don't see, and I've, I've tried to express um, in various debates and so forth. Uh, so I want you to listen for the double standard. Don't worry. I am going to point it out a lot, but it has to do with how Christians expect you to listen to them, and by extension, how, how they expect you to listen to Jesus, and how Jesus expects people to listen to them, sorry, I've got something in my, um, versus how they listen to other people. So it's um, it's hard to miss, and uh, I'm going to hang a lantern on it. Uh, so without further ado, this sermon is less than 30 minutes. I've got quite a bit to say, though, so we're going to go a lot longer than that. Here we go. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 13. And those verses of Jesus. You know, sometimes when people are talking to us and they're telling us a story and we wish they'd get to the point because it seems to go on and on and on. And I think in this passage, as we look at it, the disciples are a bit like that with Jesus. They've listened to him telling a story. And when he finished the story, all he says is, let those who have ears to hear, listen. And so they say to him, and I think they're a bit impatient, Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? Why don't you just tell it to them straight as it is? Why go all the way around the houses? Okay. Um... And it is difficult to understand sometimes, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. So, this is a reasonable question. <laughs> Why doesn't Jesus, uh, I'm sorry about the video, folks, I'm moving the window around and trying to position things a little bit better for me. Um, why does Jesus go around the houses, I, I guess as they say, from wherever she is, um, we might say, why Why does he beat around the bush? I think uh, maybe a better way to put it is, why does he speak in such shrouded, enigmatic language? Um, that is the question, isn't it? And the recognition by the Christian has to be that, yeah, he does speak in enigmatic language. There is some kind of shroud of secrecy and mystery, and we notice that throughout Jesus' ministry. Uh, sometimes he's very cagey about the kingdom and about who he is and so forth. So, um, why? It's difficult for us. And yet the parables weren't unique to Jesus. Ancient teachers use parables a lot, use stories to tell lessons, to teach lessons. And the idea of a parable 
The word literally means to throw two things alongside each other. So you, you throw something, an illustration, and then a meaning which is deeper than the illustration that you chose or the story that you used. But it is a question for us. Why does Jesus so often use stories and not teach us directly? We do have direct teaching from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, an obvious example. We're used to that. We've, we've heard that. But it seems that Jesus, as his ministry moved on, used parables more and more. In fact, we read in Mark's Gospel, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. There was one obvious reason for that, and that was that as Jesus' ministry went on, he, he encountered increasing opposition from religious readers. From okay, I want you to pay attention to this answer. I think that this is one of the worst answers that uh, Christians give. Now, there might be some truth in it. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's uh, not truth in it, but it's terrible. It's a terrible truth, and it's one that Christians will have to ask, uh, and we should hold their feet to the fire. Why would Jesus not say things because of the opposition? I mean, the opposition is the opposition. You know, people are going to tease you. They're, they're going to trash you for what you say. Uh, this is the internet. This is how it is. It, this is how it's always been, <laughs> way before the internet. The internet didn't invent this. People are going to use your words against you, especially when you're a self-righteous prig going around uh, acting like you're God. Okay. That that's gonna that's gonna get some attention. It's gonna draw a little bit of negative attention, and people are going to listen to you and be very derisive toward you. You should expect that. But the the they're saying, well, Jesus didn't speak plainly because he didn't want his words to be used against him by the opposition. Hey, guess what, Jesus? Your words are still being used against you. I use your words against you, <laughs> okay? Uh, it didn't work. Uh, people around you used your words against you. People every generation have used your words against you. People use my words against me. You can't stop it, okay? So if you're, if you're trying to avoid that, you failed. But also, Jesus, God, are you 12? Really? You're going to withhold clarity of speech because you're afraid that someone might speak badly of what you said and hurt your feelings. Hey, Jesus, you mad, bro? Come on. This is a ridiculous idea. It's a silly reason. And yet there might be some uh, bases in truth in that. I think that this is the personality that Jesus had. I think this is the kind of guy he is, was. He's the kind of person who says, don't, don't cast pearls before swine, meaning don't bother teaching my good kingdom teachings to people who are just going to deride you for it. Don't even bother. Those people aren't worth it. Screw those people. He's the kind of person who tells a Samaritan woman asking for help, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Referring to the Samaritans as dogs. So this same idea. So here... She is speculating that maybe Jesus spoke in parables, especially later in his ministry, because he got so much pushback. He's like, yeah, I don't fool with these people, these fools. They're not worth my time. 
that doesn't exactly fit with all of the Christian narrative on this. Once again, um, you'll have to come back for the supplement to get more on that. But I just, I just wanted to highlight that because in one sense, she's not entirely wrong in saying this is the kind of thing that Jesus would do. I am simply saying that she doesn't realize how awful that is when, when she says that, that Jesus would be the kind of person, the kind of teacher, the, the bringer of the words of life. He'd be so immature as to say, you yeah, know, those people are mean to me. I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm take my ball and go home. Let me just go to the people who, <laughs> who really want to, to, to know what I have to say. So she has more to say about that and we will have more to say about that. So that was, that's an important point. Bear that in mind as, as we go on. The Pharisees from the scribes and as that opposition increased, they were always trying to trap him, condemn him from his own mouth. And Jesus uses parables because it's more, easy, it's more difficult to condemn him through a story. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm done with that thought, but I, just a little bit more. Because uh, this, this is part of the Christian MO with almost everything they do, especially the way they interpret Jesus. Um, think about the doctrine of prayer, just as an example. You look at the Bible, you look at something Jesus says, and it seems to be making a clear statement about, okay, this is what prayer is, this is how prayer works. So you go and you do that, and you say, well, that didn't work. And the Christian says, well, you didn't really understand it. You didn't really do it right. Uh, and they want to they want to take prayer out of the area of falsifiability, and say that it's it's not something in fact that you can just do by numbers, uh, even though Jesus often presents it that way. What what this lady is saying, and what the Christians like to say, and how they present the teachings of Jesus, is that nothing Jesus says is really perfectly clear. Nothing is that falsifiable. Because when something is clear, then it's falsifiable. If, if all of Jesus' teachings were clear, you can say, okay, this is what Jesus said. This is what I did. It did not work. What Jesus said is incorrect. You see, that would be a very straightforward, falsifiable formula. If Jesus spoke clearly, but because he does not speak clearly, then you can't check the work because you can't be sure that you actually understand it. And so if Jesus says to do something in a certain way and you do it, the Christian can always come back and say, well, you didn't understand it correctly or you didn't have the right heart. Uh, you weren't listening properly. They can always say something like that because Jesus was enigmatic and not clear. And this is what she's saying. You know, it's so much harder to trap someone with their own words if you don't really understand what they're saying. They have to take their own meaning from the story. It couldn't be used against him so easily. And that leads to another purpose in Jesus' use of stories. What you gain from a story depends on how you listen. And okay, I, sorry, I told you there was a lot here. What you gain from a story depends on how you listen. Now, understand that when she's talking about stories and parables, but she's talking about more than that. She's talking, really, she's talking about Every, everything in the Bible, how you approach the Bible, how you approach God, how you approach everything that Jesus taught. So not just parables themselves. This is, there's some extension here. And she says, what you get out of it depends on how you listen. Now, there's a bit of truthiness in that, but not where she's going with it. Uh, but this is, this is one of the places where Christians start making the turn. And the turn is starting to blame it 
own you. This is, this is where it starts to become your fault, your problem, that the thing that you believed would happen didn't happen, or the understanding that you had of Jesus' words were wrong. Well, it's not because Jesus is a bad teacher or because he said something inaccurately. It's because you didn't listen to it correctly. So that's also um, a, a big theme that happens. And whenever Christians start talking about this, look for the turn. It's usually pretty obvious. What you're listening for. And I think we all know this as human beings in our experience. I don't have to tell you that if you like someone and they start to speak, you listen to what they're saying. Because you like them, you love them. And if they say something not quite right, you'll forgive them because you understand them. But if you're against somebody, before they say a word, you will be determined to criticize, you'll be looking for something wrong in what they say, you'll be prepared to misunderstand. Because it all goes in the way we listen. Okay. You'll be prepared to misunderstand. You see, you don't you don't like that person, and so you're just going to purposely misunderstand. This is where I want to um, ask you to listen to the rest of this sermon in a particular way. So, as she's talking about the stories of Jesus, I want you to uh, superimpose. Christopher Hitchens or Sam Harris. And, and you could say, well, you know, the Christian misinterprets and misunderstands uh, these people because they don't like them, because they don't listen to them in the correct way, you see. They're, they're prepared to misunderstand them not just in the words that we hear, but the way we listen. And one of the reasons the scribes and Pharisees found Jesus' teaching so offensive was that it was a threat to them. They believed that they were the holders of God's truth. They were the people who interpreted God's word. One of the reasons that Christians uh, were so against Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris is because the uh, Christians were threatened by them, because the Christians are the holders of the truth and the interpreters of all things good. They made the rules and regulations. They made the complex theologies and law. Christian makes the rules and regulations. They make the laws uh, and establish what is good in the country and society. And here was somebody who was teaching straight from the heart to the heart. And he was teaching about things that people understood from their everyday lives, things that they could see, things that they'd experienced, people that they knew going around their ordinary duties in life. And that seemed a very direct way of addressing them. It was effective, it was easy to remember, it related to the lives that they were living. Yeah, she's talking about parables, but she just acknowledged up front in this, and the passage itself in question acknowledges that Jesus spoke in difficult and hard-to-understand stories. And, and you remember, she just gave a justification for why he spoke in ways that are hard to understand. Uh, to to escape people using his words against him. But now she's talking about parables as very easy to understand and relatable. Which is it? And yet it was showing them God's life and God's plan and God's care for them. And that teaching came through to the hearts of those who listened well. And yet... We mustn't believe that the Pharisees missed the point of Jesus' teaching. They often didn't. In fact, later on in Matthew's Gospel, it tells us that they knew exactly who Jesus was aiming at. 
Jesus told a story about a vineyard and, and the owner being away and the owner sending people to see how it was going on and those people being abused and exploited and even killed. And this is what M Matthew's gospel says. The Pharisees, the scribes, they knew that Jesus was talking about them. They knew that. But their reaction wasn't shame, wasn't repent, wasn't sorrow at what they'd done. They were just furious with Jesus, absolutely furious with him. And it says they looked for a way to arrest him. That's how they listened. They looked to accuse him rather than to free him. So uh, do Christians listen to Sam Harris or Christopher Hitchens in a different way? Uh, can it can it also be said they look to accuse them rather than to free them? What whatever freeing them means? Because a story doesn't appeal primarily to our minds, to our in why not intellect. To our intellect. A story reaches through to our hearts. A story we can identify with. We can. Wait a minute. So a story doesn't appeal primarily to our mind, to our intellect. That's what she said when I was talking over. It appeals to our heart. Now, notice this um, bifurcation here. Uh, this is this is a move that Christians often make, and so it just depends on which Christian you're talking to as to whether they are uh, acknowledging that their faith needs to appeal to our mind and our intellect, or whether our faith needs to appeal to our heart. I actually don't make a heart distinction. Uh, between the two of these, but Christians often do. And, you know, depending on the type of Christian you're talking to, one of the problems with uh, non-believers is that they're always looking for things that appeal to their mind and their intellect. And uh, Jesus didn't try to appeal to your mind and your intellect. He tried to appeal to your emotions. So, um, you know, once again, depends on depends on which Christian you're talking to on any given day. But we're talking to this uh, preacher right now, and so for her, uh, Jesus used stories because they bypassed your head and went straight to your heart. Does that sound like a good formula for for teaching? I, I don't, not for me. Identify with people and situations, and we keep thinking now. Who am I like in that story? So it, it, it reaches us in a way that puts down our defenses. So when someone is making an emotional appeal to me, it reaches me in a way that puts up my defenses. Because I feel like someone's trying to manipulate me. They're, they're trying to emotionally manipulate me instead of giving me the important information that I need. Uh, so think about a, a salesperson. I've done a lot of sales calls, and so I can I can share something that I think re many of you will find relatable because you've received a lot of sales calls. But some some salesman gets on the phone. They're starting to talk. You're you know you're trying to shortcut their pitch. Uh, maybe you're half interested. You say, Hey, you know what? Get to the bottom line. How much does this cost? Well, the good sales person doesn't answer that question. <laughs> um, so they will often not give you the information because they're not done manipulating your emotions yet. Um, you should be put in a state of extreme skepticism when critical information is being withheld so that an emotional presentation can be completed. And this is what she's saying about the, the teaching of Jesus. We have to listen to a story. We have to invest in it. And we have to want to learn from it. Okay, we have to listen to a story, we have to invest in it, we have to want to learn from it. Uh, so, Christians, uh, if you are misunderstanding me, it is because you have to really listen to me. You have to invest in me. 
patreon.com slash red letters. Um, you have to really want to hear it. Christians, if you want to understand Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, you have to really listen to uh, what they're teaching you. You have to invest in them. You have to really want to know it. We have to hunger and thirst as Jesus described those who found him. You have to hunger and thirst after what Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris are telling you. you this is a prerequisition. In order for you to understand these great gurus, you have to first be in a state of mind and heart to be hungering and thirsting after what they're saying. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? If not, you are not hungry enough. You are not thirsty enough. They were hungry. So those who came to listen to Jesus, because they were hungry, they listened and they heard and they got the message that Jesus wanted. But the other group were like the groups that the prophets spoke to. And the prophet said, you're rebels. You refuse to hear. You you're, you're rebels against me. You refuse to hear me. You refuse to hear Christopher Hitchens. Refuse to listen. You refuse to listen to Christopher Hitchens. You may have seen on television when they go to Longleat Safari Park and they have lions there. And lions apparently are naturally very lazy creatures. They would sleep for 20 hours a day or so. And the incentive to keep them fit, to keep them healthy, to keep them well, what they have to do is not just throw the meat in, but they attach it to a, a vehicle. And then they race the vehicle along at 30 miles an hour or so, and the lions have to pursue it in order to get the meat. They have to go after it in order to enjoy the food. And when they enjoy the food, that keeps them healthy and it keeps them well. And Jesus' parables are a bit like that. We have to dig, we have to chew them over, we have to listen to them, we have to want to learn from them. We have to you have to dig into Sam Harris. You want to have to want to listen. You have to want to learn from him. Christians, do you want to learn from Christopher Hitchens? You have to want to. Do you want to learn from me? You have to want to. You have to really, really want it. To ask God for understanding. And that's how we learn. And so we grow in learning. We invest in them. We spend time with them. We mull them over in our minds. Because one thing I think we all know about is selective hearing. Any husband and wife know about selecting hearing. What you think you're saying and what your husband thinks he hears can be often two very different things. And parents know it with children. You know, when you say to a child, are you listening? And you mean, are you hearing what I say? Because you don't appear to be doing anything about it. It's a very common technique, we're told in modern business, that when employees bring complaints, they listen, they pour out their complaints, and the employer says, I hear you. I hear you is a very common term in modern parlance. It means that I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm taking in what you say. But the real test is whether action comes from that. I hear you. Wait a minute. Okay, so... If you're really listening to Jesus, then action will come from that. That's that's where she's going here. Does that does that work? If you're really listening to me, then action will come from that. If you're really listening to Sam Harris Christians, then action will come from that. So the reason I know that you're not really listening is because action isn't coming from that. Does that make sense? The real test is whether there's any outcome. And the same with Jesus' parables. Right. We call this special pleading. And this explains Jesus' apparently harsh reaction. I often used to find this passage in the Bible very difficult because Jesus appears to be saying, when the disciples say to him, why do you speak in parables? He appears to be saying, so that they don't understand. This is the this is the nub of it right here. This is, in fact, what the passage appears to be saying. A spoiler alert. This is exactly what the passage is 
saying. But Christians cannot stomach that idea. They have to fix it. They have to interpret it in a way that Jesus isn't saying that. This is a major stumbling block for their faith in any efforts for evangelism. If Jesus is saying what he seems to be saying. Now, I'm going to let her get away with some stuff. Maybe not everything, but some stuff. This is where my supplemental will kick in. There'll be a lot of information that I throw at you. I'm not doing that here uh, and now, but I, I just want you to, I just want you to see this moment for what it is. This is the Christian conundrum here where Jesus seems to be answering a straight question directly and it's not the answer they want. And so now she's going to spend the rest of the time trying to fix it. But if you think about it, the Son of God came to earth to live amongst us. Is it likely that he doesn't want us to understand what he's teaching? Now, just real quickly, what she just did there was apply some human reasoning I'm, I'm all in favor of human reasoning because that's all we've got. But Christians in other circumstances are not in favor of this kind of reasoning. She's asking you to just think about what seems logical to you. Is it logical that God would really do this thing? Now, the answer that a good Christian should give is it doesn't matter whether it's logical to me. God is not beholden to my logic. God is God, and my logic has to be beholden to him. But, <laughs> but she's saying, because it doesn't seem right to me that this is what God would be doing, then he couldn't possibly be doing that. There must be some other reason. Christians, tisk tisk on you for letting that go. But what Jesus is doing here, he's quoting from Isaiah. And Isaiah is talking about a time in Israel's history where they were rebels, where they didn't want to listen to God. They didn't want to hear what he was saying. And it describes them as people with a calloused heart. Okay, so there I will say she is absolutely correct. That is, in fact, what the passage in Isaiah is referring to. I am going to let her get away with some things, though. Uh, you'll have to come to the supplemental. But uh, I just want to point out where where I think she's right here, just in case you think that I, you know, I'm just trying to beat her up. But like I said, I think she makes the best case that uh, Christians make for this. But uh, if, you're, if you want a preview of my thoughts on the passage uh, of Isaiah that Jesus quotes, uh, yes, she's right about that. That's not the whole story, but she is right about that part. We all know about hard skin, and where you get hard skin, it reduces your sensitivity to feeling. It reduces what you can take in. And we can have hearts that are like that, because we can just bit by bit, just wander from God. <coughs> Excuse me. And without knowing it, we find ourselves in a situation where we're not reacting. What God's saying to us doesn't reach us. We're not moved by anything. We get a bit impatient. We just wish it was over. We could go home for our lunch. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, these people have developed a hard heart. They've stopped listening. They've turned away. And at the end, Jesus slightly changes that quotation because he said, if they heard, I could heal them. I could help. Okay, uh, here, once again, you might see in the supplemental, I should make a note here. She says, Jesus slightly changes it. Jesus does this a lot to Old Testament passages. This is part of the key to understanding what's going on in this verse, in my opinion. But I, I think she misses the real change that he makes. But I just wanted to... to make note that she is at least acknowledging that Jesus seems to be changing something about this, this prophecy.
Uh, hit the wrong button. Let's try that again. Them. Jesus' offer is for help and healing. But there are those who've hardened their hearts against him and they won't listen. They don't hear. And Jesus sees the same reaction in some of the people around him. And sadly, the worst reaction is in the religious people, the people who ought to know, the people who ought to want to learn. You know, the parable which comes before this is the parable of the, the farmer sowing seed, which will be very, I think most of us will know. And that parable is the farmer who sows the seed. He scatters the seed in the old-fashioned way all around the fields, and the seed goes everywhere. The message goes out everywhere. There it is. And this parable of the seed is almost like a parable about parables and how they work. Because you remember that some falls on the path, which is solid, closed, packed down. There are no places for the seeds to find an entrance. And that, Jesus says, when he explains it to his disciples, is like people who hear, but it just passes over their head. It just passes them by. No interest, no desire. And then there was the seed that fell on the rocky ground and there were little crevices and the seed got in and it started to grow. But then in no time at all, it looked as if it was doing well, it just withers. Like those who are enthusiastic at first, but then it just goes, it doesn't stay. And then he talked about a very big group, the group that falls among the thorns. And that group appears to do well. But you know, it's just so bogged down in the present, as we do, get bogged down in, and choked. And that life of God that looked so promising gets choked out. It gets choked out by worries about today and tomorrow, by worries about all kinds of things. You know, it's one of the saddest things that you read. It says in John's Gospel that Jesus came into our world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world didn't recognize him. He came to what was his own and his own did not receive him. But it follows that also with ground which is like the good ground. The good ground receives the same message as all the others, but the good ground receives it, is ready for it, is thirsty for it, and produces new life. And that new life produces fruit and grain, and that new life is a blessing to itself and to others. And Jesus, that chapter in John goes on to say, to as many as did receive him, he became the right. We've, become, we've been given the right to become children of God. And Jesus says, because the disciples have trusted in him, because they've wanted to learn from him, that God would help them to understand more and more. All we need is to want to come to Jesus and the desire, the power is his, the strength is his, the desire to come, the thirst, the need is ours. Okay, um, just real quick. Uh, how does someone want to come to Jesus? It seems like a silly and simple question. How do you want to do anything? But um, in, the, in the Christian world, it's not as simple as you just wanting to come to Jesus and hungering and thirsting for Jesus, because we're all sinful people. So if, if you just start from a blank slate, we're all sinful people. We, we were born into sin, and no one would desire 
God. No one would desire Jesus if God didn't intervene and put that desire to desire him in your heart. So, if the requirement to ever understand Jesus is that you have to hunger and thirst after it, from a sinful state, how do you come to hungering and thirsting after Jesus? Does that even make sense? I don't see how it would make sense. If, if I'm lost in my sins and I'm loving my sins, where does this hunger and thirsting for Jesus come from? If you say, well, it's a, it's a gift of God, then why hasn't God given it to everybody? Everybody equally, so that everybody would hunger and thirst after Jesus. If only some people hunger and thirst after Jesus, but others don't, why don't the others, but more, more specifically, why do the people who do hunger after him, why do they? What has God done for them that he hasn't done for the people who don't hunger and thirst after him? So, once again, you just have to understand, from a point of being a wretched, sinful human being, who does not hunger and thirst after Jesus. You simply have no hope. If you, within your own self, have to stop what you're doing and one day say, you know, I've heard of this Jesus guy. I think I'm going to start hungering and thirsting after him now. That's, that's just a, a strange requirement. So once again, just imagine me saying to the Christian audience, in order to really get what I'm saying, in order for you to really pick up what I'm putting down, you first got to hunger and thirst after what I'm saying as a prerequisite. You know, if I do a live show, don't you don't even get a ticket. I'm not selling you a ticket. You're not getting in unless you can show that you are already hungering and thirsting more than your basic curiosity for what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me either. And those who come to Jesus needing get more and more of what they want and they grow. And those who come with no need find that they go away empty. And even the little that they might have had is lost. Okay, so this is part of the passage that I'm probably not going to cover in the supplemental. There's a, a, a part in there. Let me just pull this up real quick. I'll try not to destroy uh, the video here. I just want you to see. So my apologies if this is making everything go a little bit wonky, but I would like to read this, and I didn't have it pulled up. So again, my apologies. This is Matthew uh, 13. Let's see. Jesus answered as he did. Okay. This is what Jesus says. The person who has something will be given more and he will have all he needs. But the person who does not have much, even what he has, will be taken from him. All right. I just wanted to um, go there and, and flesh that out because she doesn't actually read that, but this is what she's talking about. Now, you will notice that that passage does not make clear what the something is. That a person, if they have it, they'll get more. And if they don't have much, it'll be what they have will be taken away. So this is one of these uh, areas of wild speculation where Christians just assume that they know what Jesus is talking about. So for her, 
this means your need to hear what Jesus has to say. You're hungering and thirsting after understanding. Uh, some say that this is about knowledge. You know, if you have some knowledge, if you have a lot of knowledge about the secrets of the kingdom of God, then you will get more. But if you only have a little, God will magically take that away from you. And the words used here, she's she's going to abuse this passage. So I went back and I, I wanted to read it just to kind of cover this little point. She's going to do what kind of liberal Christians do here, Christians who don't want to face what Jesus actually said. And she's going to say, uh, what little you have, well, it'll, you'll, you'll lose it. It'll atrophy like muscles. It'll, it'll you know, seep away. That's not what the passage says. It actually says God is proactive here. If you have much, God will give you more. You'll get more. And if you have little, what little you have will be taken away. God's going to take it away from you proactively. It's not that it's going to atrophy or, or, or seep out. Jesus said something very different from that. Uh, so notice little things like that when, when people quote this passage. Oops. And Jesus says it's a spiritual principle. As we seek God more and more, he'll give us more of himself. But when we don't bother, when we don't want then we're emptied even of what we have. And so the story has an effect on those who come to listen. Those who are hungry to know Jesus are filled. They get it. They understand that... Stop. Those who are hungry to know Jesus are filled. They get it. So if you understand this passage, it's because you were really hungry to know Jesus. But consider the flip side. If you don't understand Jesus, then it's your fault. It's because you weren't hungry enough, because you didn't come really wanting to know. That's the obvious implication here, and this is the move that Christians will always make at some point in the conversation as it goes on long enough. It's really you who don't want to know. That's why you don't understand it. And this is why Christians are hesitant to admit that they don't understand things about Jesus' teachings. Because of preachers like this who say, you know what, when you really want to know, you will understand it. There are a lot of Christians who really wanted to know. And what this excludes, you know, as if this completes the set. If you want to know, you'll understand it. If you don't understand it, you don't want to know. That does not complete the set at all. That might be true for some people. But there are others in the set, such as myself, such as uh, pretty much every X-Gen I know, which is I really, really, really wanted to know. And yet the understanding didn't come. And the more I tried the less it seems I was certain about what I understood. So that's another part of the set that Christians will not, cannot acknowledge. If you understand it's because you came with the right mind, the right heart, the right ears, the right attitude, you are hungry enough to know. If you really want to understand, you've got to be hungrier. And once again, the flip side is when you walk away not understanding, you weren't hungry enough. Eyes are opened. It's revealed to them because they want to know. It's like we talk about keeping fit, isn't it? Use it or lose it. You have to keep on using the muscles, otherwise they atrophy. And it's the same with the spiritual life, our life with God. Because those are hungry. They eat the food hungrily. They chew over it. They digest it. Jesus says in another place, another little picture, he said, you parents, if your children need food, you give it to them. You don't give them stones, you give them food. 
how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God will gladly give what we ask for in Jesus. Except when he doesn't. Jesus' stories are so often unexpected and surprising. You know, to hear a story about a son who, who is a terrible son and who says terrible things to his father and leaves home. And yet when he comes back, they have a big party for him. It's not right. It's just not right. A story about a worker who pays the same pay to people who work eight hours and one hours. It's not right. It's not right. But Jesus wants to shock and surprise us with a picture that will touch our hearts of what God is like, full of grace, full of love, full of forgiveness. And that story reaches us in a very direct way, as all of us know who love that story of the lost son. Through parables, God disturbs us. God, God surprises us. He leads us deeper into God. Because we can't just give intellectual assent to it. We can't say, yes, I've worked that out. That's true. Yeah, you can't just give intellectual assent to it. Because remember, this is not intellectual. If you're trying to use your brain to figure this out, you know, that's where you're going wrong. We need insight. We need understanding. We need an open heart. We need open minds. We need to be good listeners. And I think it couldn't be a more important message with which to start the new year, that we want to listen to God. That's why I believe we can start with hope and not with despair. It is a world full of problems. But we can start with hope because of God. We don't want to be like this people whose heart have become calloused, who have a hard shell, who stopped hearing, who stopped listening. We want to be open to God, to what he's doing with us in this situation, in this... Okay. Um, I think I'm going to cut off your... Pretty soon, just another preview for the um, for the supplemental. Though she keeps referring to people who have stopped listening, and this message is only for the people who are listening. So at this time, there's a crowd following Jesus, and why are they there? Well, they're they're listening to what he has to say. They're curious about what he has to say. You know, they maybe they heard one thing that caught their ear, and they've got an eyebrow raised, and they're listening. They, they may be listening skeptically. They may be listening half-heartedly, but they're there. They're there, and they're listening. Why doesn't that count? Circumstance. You know, lots of things can, can affect us. Bodily weakness, disappointment. All kinds of things can make it hard, even for those who trust and follow Jesus. But we need to say, Lord, help me to listen. Do you remember the little boy that uh, Samuel, when he heard a noise in the night and he didn't understand it, and, and Eli said to him, it's God speaking. I'm sorry. How hard is this Christian listening that you've got to pray to be able to listen right. I mean, this is, you can't just listen normally the way a human listens to another human. You know, this is some kind of special listening that you've got to do to hear this message. It's so special. You can't pull it off. You've got you've to pray. You've got to beg God to help you listen. When you go back, say, Master, speak. Your servant is listening. And before we come to worship, to pray, to do anything, we need to say, God, we're listening. We want to learn from you. We want to learn what you have to say in our lives. And that can come through our prayers, through fellowship together, through reading God's word. 
The parables were meant to produce an effect, a response. You were meant to do something about what you heard. Because it was the same seed. Everybody heard that story. But what did everybody do with it? Some just got angrier with Jesus. Some said, oh, that was interesting, and forgot. Some went on for a while and then got bogged down in other things. And some listened wholeheartedly and followed Jesus. Okay. Once again, you're narrowing the set of possibilities. You can listen, really listen to a person and not follow them. The fact that you didn't follow them doesn't mean you listened. You might listen to them, really listen, and be angry at what they've said because they've said some things that should make you angry. <laughs> so you're, the reason you're angry is because you did listen properly. You might listen, really listen, and say, well, that was interesting, but nothing earth-shattering, and move on. That's the right response because they didn't say anything earth-shattering, and you moved on. But for her, the only way you can listen to Jesus properly, the only way, special pleading much, the only way to listen to Jesus is to then become a follower. That's the only way to show you listened. That's what we want for our new year. How does Jesus, how does God want us to think and react and react differently in response to what he's shown us? Okay about how we should live. All right, we're going to go ahead and cut it off right there. She's going to finish up pretty quick and go into her prayer. But uh, you see how this lesson is really tailored uh, for Christians. Now, in all fairness, she's a Christian. She's uh, in a church talking to a room full of Christians. But she is interpreting what Jesus said as if he was in a church speaking to a room full of Christians, which is not the case at all. Jesus was speaking largely to people who were not his followers. And so this presumption that the only right response to something that Jesus says is for you to feel convicted in your heart and want to repent and follow him and become a disciple doesn't follow. You have to already assume that he's God to listen in that way. Consider all of the assumptions, the ways that she wants you to listen, hungering and thirsting after what he has to say. You have to already assume that he's this magical guru to be able to listen that way. You can't listen, listen casually. Well, what if you're just having a lazy day and you decide, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, turn on this uh, podcast where a person's reading the Bible. It's just casual. You're not hungry for anything. You've got your bowl of Cheetos. But you listen. That's not good enough. Ah, this, uh, this person is knocking on my door again. Okay. I'll, I'll pause my work for a little bit and see what they have to say. I'm annoyed with this person already, but okay. We'll, we'll, take a flyer on it it's not good enough yeah okay i'll i'll pick up this pamphlet that was left on the bus i'll uh, i'll peruse it when i'm standing in line at the store why is that not listening not good enough in order to listen the way the christian wants you to listen you have to already assume that what jesus is saying is correct So the only way that you really can't listen is the only way that you should listen, which is skeptically and critically. That's how you should listen. By the way, that's how I listen to my friends. When I speak uh, to Andrew on the phone, when he and I uh, talk, I do him the honor of listening to him critically. Not to catch him out in some turn of phrase that doesn't go right or an analogy that gets away from him, although we do call those things out because 
we're a-holes <laughs> we know each other um analogies get away from us um but we listen and then when we hear something that doesn't sound quite right we stop the conversation and say hang on I, I thought i heard you say this that doesn't sound right quite right can you explain that that's how to listen that's critical listening it doesn't mean that you're trying to catch someone out at a mistake but you're paying attention and you want to uh compare the things that you are hearing to the map of your world that is reality and if you can learn some things great you can you can expand your map and correct the places that are wrong you can't do any of that if you're not critically listening the way she wants you to listen to jesus the way she says that jesus demands you listen to him is you already get rid of that critical component when you come to him you already have accepted him that's the only way to properly hear him Okay, we'll uh, stop there. I'm going to plug the supplemental one more time. It's going to be on red letters in a few days. I haven't recorded it yet. This is Saturday as I speak to you now, so um, I'll get there. Uh, Patreon.com slash red letters. It's going to be the first thing there. You'll see a list of things that you, you don't have access to uh, if you're not a member. Uh, but at the top of that thing, it, it will be supplemental i don't know what i'm going to call it probably uh supplemental on parables and you'll be able to click on the video if it's a video and just uh watch it if it's audio only i don't know uh how exactly i'm going to be able to do that uh this week so it could be audio but you'll be able to click into um uh, into it and play the audio you'll be you'll be able to access it without being a member what you won't be able to do is comment on uh, on Patreon. So only members can comment on Patreon. So if you want to pay a dollar a week for uh, the member podcasts that I do, you can come in and comment. By the way, you'll also get a free copy of the book, Red Letters, A Closer Look at the Worst Moral and Practical Teachings in History. We're having some really good conversation uh, right there. Uh, next week, we will be uh, talking about marriage, what Jesus had to say on marriage, and we'll be covering uh, that section of my book. So uh, come along, patreon.com slash red letters. Uh, you'll be able to listen to the supplemental for free. You will be able to share that supplemental out, although you will not be able to search for it on YouTube. It will be unlisted, but you will be able to share it. Uh, so till then, this is David Johnson. We'll see you next time.